Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's coming up, Simpsons. Simpsons. Uh, this episode is brought to you by us. Hello. Hello. Yeah. We are us. <laughs> um, this is a special, what are we calling this? Like a, a special, special side episode. A special, or... special side episode. Yeah. We are guestless this week, but that does not mean it is a, a bad episode in any way. It's Why not would a I... bad comeback. Why would I say that? Why would I bring that up? Why would I put that in the listeners' minds first? Because we want them to feel like they're our friends, which yeah. they are. They are. And friends. we don't want to brag to our friends about how great this episode is. I mean, it's it's a very, very special side episode. Listen, <laughs> we live in Los Angeles and self-deprecation culture is strong. So I, I guess I was operating from that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited to be chatting with my main girl, Julia, mm-hmm. about something she holds very dear. Yeah. Uh, we, so, you guys know because of the episode title, but in case you're just scrolling through, um, this is a special, special side episode uh, where we are talking to you, the listener, about uh, a Simpsons deep cut detail um, that may or may not be featured in our book. <laughs> hundred things Simpsons fans should know and do before they die. It's Simpsons Sing the Blues. And you have heard Julia talk about this with a number of our guests uh, who love uh, or dislove uh, this album. (laughs) And uh, as you may or may not know, I have never heard it. And I'm, as you know, a very big Simpsons fan Mm -hmm. and a very big music fan. Yeah. Um, I have gone on record as being someone who does not care much for the blues, and my reason for that, as I've shared once or twice before, is that my dad used to take me to a chain called Lucille's, um, which is, is a, a barbecue, a barbecue oh, yeah, yeah. place. And uh, they played blues, uh, which makes sense. And it would make me uh, the food itself made me feel nauseous. But I have a Pavlovian dog thing yeah. where I now associate not on purpose the blues with uh, sickness from eating barbecue. I think that that's <laughs> actually quite appropriate that you have the blues <laughs> Over your blues, over baby blues barbecue. Now there's another chain. Uh, but um, I I know that a lot of my favorite music has blues infused. Like you know the origins come from blues. The DNA, the DNA of blues, and there are certain you know blues guitarists that I love. Yeah, um, Homer Simpson is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cheat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to be frank, I'm not a blues gal myself. If I had to peg any adjacent genre that I'm, I'm a gal of, I'd say 60s soul. Yeah. yeah. Oh my was god, that a soul. Hip, was that a hipster answer? Well, I mean, we are two white women who host a <laughs> Simpsons podcast, after all. But <laughs> yeah, I and and I would definitely say that uh, that Sam Cooke live album. Oh my god! Uh, from uh, I think it's the late fifties. It's like one of my favorite albums of all time. Of course, and yeah, you, you know, one you, night stand. And you couldn't have rock and roll without the blues. But this is not a blues not... history episode. This yeah. is a very very special side episode about Simpsons sing the blues, of which I know nothing about except for hearing you talk about it. Yeah. Uh, 
podcast. I'm hoping that you could even just give me the the basic intro, unless you want to go in cold. Uh, it's it's your time to share this special thing with me, and I'm prepared to take it however you'd like to serve <laughs> it, uh, but preferably without barbecue sauce. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, but we could though, if you wanted, um, because uh, another peek behind the curtain. We are recording this at a studio at my house where there is barbecue sauce. Yum. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to say yikes or yum. You know what? <laughs> Often in life, I feel at that crossroads. Um, I I want to say really quick that I've spoken at length about the other Simpsons albums of which I hold so dear. Mm-hmm. I could probably do a quick, easy Google of how many Simpsons albums there are, but who has the time? Not you. Uh, nor the capacity. But two standouts that I highly recommend and everybody needs to listen because it's basically just listening to the show and... <laughs> We may or may not include the clips that are um, featured in these albums as clips on our show. But um, Go Simpsonic is a standout. Um, and those are songs, of course, from the actual show. And then, you know, scenes in a uh, intercutting between them. And then um, Songs in the Key of Springfield are mm. both really great. But those were later albums. <laughs> and this was before all of that. So The Simpsons Sing the Blues is uh, the first album released as an offshoot of the simpsons and it was very early in the simpsons run it came out uh december 4th 1990 oh my god yeah the origin of uh this album it it makes me think a lot about i don't know if you know uh the story with atari and the et video game yes i do but please tell our listeners it's such an interesting story there's actually a really great podcast um that really goes into detail about this and uh the podcast is called household name and i think it's like one of the more recent episodes um but basically atari was you know top of the world um in like the 80s and early 90s or maybe i don't know i'm getting my dates wrong i'm terrible with dates why did i even go down that road <laughs> um but they were at the top of the world and they um there's this one uh developer who um was working at atari but then you know gained the trust of steven spielberg to produce their um indiana jones video game and it was like one of the best-selling video games of all time and then uh steven spielberg comes out with et and atari goes oh man we would love to do an et video game um just in time for christmas um and instead of having nine months that you know the nine months you spent working on the indiana jones video game um you only have i want to say like six weeks to work on the et game so it was like just 24 7 they didn't say it on the podcast but i'm sure there were some drug type enhancements that helps them stay up all (laughs) night um but they rushed the production of et and even got the approval of Spielberg in the middle of it. So uh, they made time for that miraculously. I think that the story goes that the guy who developed it and was like in charge of designing it had like 32 hours between getting like the proposition to do this project to then go to Spielberg to pitch what the video game was going to be. But anyway, the long and short of it is that it was a rush job. E.T. came out. Everybody bought it in time for Christmas. But then it was a massive bomb in the way that, like, <laughs> it was the most returned game of all time because wow. it was super buggy. Um, there's one feature. I believe the story of the E.T. game is that, like, you're going through, um, you know, this, like, field into the forest and you're trying to, you know, like, find E.T. And um, you are, like, falling into these pits where there are pieces of a phone 
and you have to collect enough pieces of a phone to phone home. <laughs> but then, like, players would um, continue to fall in these holes and never be able to get back up mm-hmm. and then just die and, like, keep dying and their lives are going away in the game. So um, Atari ended up uh, burying all of the excess inventory of the E.T. game. <laughs> Um, <laughs> laughing because since we're recording at home, my cat Sonny has decided to put his beehole in my face. <laughs> um, uh, you cat people know what I'm talking about, and and so they buried it in like I believe a New Mexico dump or yes. no, an Arizona dump or something, mm-hmm. and and that wasn't the only thing that Atari uh, buried. And it makes me think of a Simpsons joke with um, the nude photos of Whoopi Goldberg of and the other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't need to go fully into that. So, yeah, the podcast episode even has, like, uh, audio of when they... Um resurrect is too traumatic of a word but (laughs) basically et is a person in this scenario so resurrect (laughs) is appropriate um they dug up the et games and everybody was like going crazy and so happy that's Um, so so that is the legacy of this and the reason why i brought it up is that uh this was a rush job too (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you're saying this should have ended up in a dump uh, in in New Mexico Next or Arizona. Nude photos of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> but I'm not saying that um, directly, but um, but one could say one that. One could say that. I mean, I think that this album has probably been largely disowned by the creators of the show. And do you think that's just because um, The Simpsons uh, doesn't have anything to do with the blues? <laughs> one could surmise that The Simpsons is not a particularly bluesy group of so, characters jazz uh we have oh, jazz certainly <laughs> with lisa <laughs> but blues yeah who on the simpsons aside from bleeding gums uh and lisa could be connected to the blues in any way except for bill cosby right in the bleeding gums episode i am betting that they did not anticipate people thinking too hard about <laughs> this uh i believe the story goes too that like they were um approached by david geffen from geffen records um that uh he wanted to record an album based on the simpsons to be released in time for christmas 1990 and uh according to matt Groening, like james l brooks just walked into the office one day and was like simpsons sing the blues that's it <laughs> and like walked <laughs> out and everyone's like is that he's done for the day you know like one of those um they went on to say that they you know, played around with different genres of music, but that blues felt like the most appropriate. I'm oh, not sure. I really want to hear how the other pitches went. I would love to hear, uh, you reggae know, an tone. Old, a reggae tone. That would, <laughs> I would, I was going like Steve Martin banjo. Oh, sure. Bluegrass. Bluegrass Ooh. I love. Bluegrass is great. Yeah. Have you been to that Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival in San Francisco? I didn't even know about it. I've not been, but I was curious <laughs> if you've been. <laughs> I just know that Steve Martin plays there a lot. I've, I have seen Steve Martin's uh, band and banjo uh, playing uh, at the Largo in Los Angeles. He is the only person I've ever seen at Largo who didn't come out to greet the fans afterwards, but he is far more famous than anyone else <laughs> I've ever seen there, so I think it's that fine. That sounds appropriate. <laughs> not to go on a tangent, but do you recall when he came out with an art book mm-hmm. and he was doing a book tour and somebody at like one of the Q&As was like in your comedy career did you and he cut him off and was like um I'm here to talk about my art book 
That reminds me, I went to go see uh, Spinal Tap Unplugged. Um, this was when I was probably 13 years old. And Harry Shearer, the whole the whole cast had opened up questions uh, to the audience uh, for a Q&A. And the commentator asked if anyone had any questions. Everyone's hand shut up. And uh, one person asked a question about The Simpsons to Harry Shearer. And he answered very nicely. And then the commentator said... Uh, Please, no questions about The Simpsons. And almost all the hands went down. Oh, no. <laughs> that feels like a Simpsons scene. I know. That's amazing. Because it's just like and the I... George W. Bush, or sorry, George Bush Sr. with his wig. Of yes. This. <laughs> yes. And and really, I've already covered. There's no. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that basically was the reason why it's Simpsons sing the blues, even though there is a hip hop song, technically. <laughs> Um, I guess shocked. do the Bartman uh, could be technically thought that, of. Is that as... what this is from? Or yes, that? Sorry. Yes. Wow. It's the first single. We all know do the Bartman. Mm-hmm. And in fact, let's play a little bit of it right now. Yo, hey, what's happening, dude? I'm a guy with a rep for being rude, terrorizing people wherever I go. It's not intentional, just keeping the flow. Fixing test scores to get the best scores. All over the floor. I'm the kid that made the thing with CNR. Last name Simpson, first name Bart. I'm here today to introduce the next phase. The next step in the big Bart craze. I gotta dance real easy to do. I learned it with no rhythm and so can you. Ooh, so move your body, get about the nation. Front to back in a rock like motion. Now that you got it, if you think you can, do it through the music. That's the Bart man. So that was Do the Bart Man. And yes, so you probably, the listener, uh, already know Do the Bartman because um, it is the standout single from this album. And I feel like Do the Bartman really epitomizes the Bartmania that was happening in uh, the early 90s. Oh my God. I I guess because of when in, when this came out, I didn't, I don't think I knew Do the Bartman until I was on this podcast. I don't think I knew it. Really? Like I th- I really don't think I've known it because they never play it on the show. Do they? No. I don't think they ever play it on the show. And so It's like pretty much non-canon. Yeah, and um but there's I, an animated music video. I have recently seen the video, but because it was because it came out in 90 and I had not been born yet and because YouTube wasn't a thing and because they weren't they wouldn't have played it like on like VH1 and because well, I'm sure, I wonder if it was on the DVDs as like a special thing for maybe around this, the time this came out. Mm-hmm. Please let me know, listeners, if you know the answer to that. But I guess I wouldn't have really had a way of seeing it until much later. Yeah. And so it's very shocking <laughs> to learn about if you didn't know about it when it came out, I think. I will say, like, the beat is excellent and the backgrounds are phenomenal. The rapping is very good for what it is. <laughs> You're being so nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is It is what it is. It is, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, uh, king of pop, uh, <laughs> he uh, wanted to write a hit song and he did. And, you know, when we think about what is the top of the pops in uh, the U.S. and overseas, the, the poppiest pop songs, you know, sometimes they're not technically good i'm gonna Mm, say yeah but they scratch an itch and i think that this scratched an itch at the time it is catchy i will say that because of what has happened with michael jackson that we can all feel comfortable never listening to this song again (laughs) (laughs) 
100 percent. and that's why i don't like do the bart man <laughs> <laughs> end of thesis yeah it is uh it's interesting i mean it also evokes the era which predates this i think i mean it goes back all the way to the 50s but all i would stretch it to the 80s where it was the trend of like creating a dance move mm-hmm. craze or you know like naming a dance and having that be a part of the song yeah you see that a lot of course in the movie hairspray sure um that's like major part of the plot um but i feel like these are sort of like the last tendrils from that era of do the bartman what does the bartman mean well he does it in the video you gotta do the bartman (laughs) it's like very confusing we also, Allie and I, have a shared memory of going to see The Simpsons take the bowl. That really hurt. <laughs> and it ended with <laughs> Do the Barman, which I will say, in in their defense, it is, you know, it, it was an appropriate song to get everybody out and be like, all right, and now we're all going to do the Barman. Could they have done any other song? It felt like... <laughs> If you went to go see the Beatles and then they ended it with All You Need Is Love and then they really like right after that, when you think it's over, they end it with a cover that they did on their first album. Oh, I was going to say they ended with All like, You Need Is Love. Everybody's weeping, hugging each other. And then it's Octopus's Garden. Yeah. <laughs> that is accurate. That is what it was like. And you're like, why? <laughs> Octopus's Garden with like a 10 minute interlude of just like meandering clarinet. Yes. And, you know, I guess I get that, like, you're going to end it with what you assume is the most popular song. And that was a really popular song at the time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, all right. It is it is a snapshot of that era. Um, We we are not faulting them for Do the Bartman. Except for Michael Jackson, who we do fault. He was wrong. Fault. He's a bad man. He is a bad man. Um, not a Bartman. Not a Bartman. <laughs> um, and so now, okay. So after do the Bartman, this of course leads us into the song School Day. School so Day. Let's listen to that. All right. Up in the morning and after school. Okay, that's enough of that. Um, oh my god! So that's actually a cover of a Chuck Ooh. Berry song, but uh, and the other person singing is Buster Poindexter. Who does he play on The Simpsons? <laughs> I want to know his resume. Isn't the title The Simpsons Sing the Blues? Yeah, Simpsons and Friends. I believe oh. was in small. No, it's not officially. <laughs> but I'm saying what the fuck? I know. I'm pissed off. That was barely The Simpsons. Yeah, and there's a line where Bart says, "Just like, and you're fortunate." It just it's is just, completely out of voice, it, and it's just bad. It's just bad. I mean, <laughs> it, this reminds me of... Are you familiar with the McGruff Crime Dog album? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to... Well, uh, you... Uh, there's a treat <laughs> waiting for you. Um, I believe in the 80s, it was... Uh, a tape that you could get at like Burger King too. I think there were two albums, what? but there is uh, <laughs> there's a McCruff 
the crime dog album uh that is like i mean all the songs are about drugs and alcohol and not doing cocaine but it also like it it kind of fucking rips like it's yeah really, i was listening to it actually the other day which is why it's fresh on my mind showing it to some friends and um it, we all commented that what is prob not problematic but like the the problem with the mcgruff crime dog album is that it's an album that's about um you know not doing drugs and how marijuana is a gateway drug and whatever Ooh. but like all the hooks of all the songs have the names of the substances in them so, so it's so kind it's kind of promoting it's it kind of promoting <laughs> don't and do cocaine cocaine oh, cocaine you don't even know okay so i gotta just do a quick interlude and i'm this is really podcaster i did a whole episode about this so i'm really stepping on their toes with this um but i i gotta play cro- cocaine and crack because i'm, I'm in <laughs> you literally j- just sang it <laughs> using crack and cocaine to get high that's what you say you love but it's really insane you could die what are you thinking of because nobody's needing that crack and cocaine there's terrible trouble behind it and sooner or later you're burning your brain making a mess of your mind okay so oh my god i waiting for you when you get home and and listeners and and julia please know i've never heard of that and i guessed what the song was and i kind of got the voice right <laughs> You totally did. Oh my god, that song's great, but they take too long to get into that. It's bad. <laughs> like it starts no, with just like no. <laughs> you say that you're doing crack and cocaine. Well, that sounds like a reasonable thing. Uh, that's what you say you love. Well, I love it too. You know, like, if you listen to it as a kid, interested in doing drugs, you'd be like, uh huh, uh huh. Wait a minute. Also, like the nature of songs is that you don't often remember all of the lyrics, and the things are gonna stick with you are just crack and cocaine and like I if i were a parent and i heard my kid going nah, crack and cocaine, cocaine. <laughs> I, know, I know that's a really good point like our memory for <laughs> lyrics is such that like you'd go banana banana crack and co- cocaine banana, and then some other Say stuff to love <laughs> <laughs> My, my bigger point with bringing up McGruff the crime dog is that, you know, I, as I mentioned, this was a rush job. So what happens with the rush job? You kind of you throw in some covers, you figure it out. You're like, who cares? Let's just get it in there. Um, and this also feels like Simpson seeing the blues. I mean, the we'll get into the critical reception of it, which is pretty gnarly (laughs) like just you know like blasting them for being corporate chills in like such a huge way i just feel bad for the people who were assigned to review this when they wanted radiohead (laughs) (laughs) oh come on well you're a junior i've been working real hard (laughs) i know but you took the weekend off last week so This is what you got to do. Though I will say that sometimes the greatest music journalism comes from people that actively hate what they're covering. That is fair. For example, do you know those 33 and a third books? Mm -hmm. Um, My husband, Mike, is reading one right now that he told me, he's like, I'm in the middle of reading it and I can tell it's already one of my favorite books of all time. Wow. It is one on Celine Dion. Wait for it. And it is written by a rock critic who could not hate Celine Dion more. But their case for it is, 
I wanted to find out why I hated her music and why it didn't connect with me. And then they kept digging deeper and found like the history of her particular kind of ballad music and the history of this. And like, it just became more and more interesting to them. And it's not, I'm not going to spoil the end. I don't fully know it, but like, I don't think it's going toward. And now, and then I learned, you know, like Carrie yeah. Bradshaw style, but it's like really interesting because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, to them, it's, it's better than it being this like biased, like she rules. Like, wouldn't you want somebody that's like a little bit more yeah. focused on all the grit in between all of that? One thing I will say about everything you said is that it was interesting, but not more interesting than the way you said, um, one on Celine Dion. <laughs> I was really hoping that you were going to continue rhyming and that the author was going to rhyme with that. <laughs> His name was Greg Cleon. Cleon. <laughs> and on that note, why don't we take a quick break? Yes, please. <laughs> Hey, Max Fun listeners. Have you been listening to Max Fun for a while and you've just been wondering, where's the new Flat Earth podcast I keep hearing about? Well, here it is. We give you all the facts on NASA's lies and how we know that the Earth is actually flat. Just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> this is Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we join fringe religious groups. We undergo alternative medical treatments. And we hang out with people like 9-11 truthers, flat earthers. We find out why do people believe strange things. We join them, and we tell you all about it. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of friends. Yeah, we do. We joined the Mormons. We joined the Scientologists. We got acupunctured. We got fire cupped. We got ear candled. We've done it all, and we're going to keep doing it all. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? That was a great break. What a good break. Yeah. I looked at the cat. Yeah. And the cat looked I, at me. You're all cuddled <laughs> with the cat right now. It's really and warm to have a cat on your arm. Are you okay? Do you need I love a breather? It. Oh, no. The oh, cat no, left. The cat left at <laughs> you. Um, so, all Miss right. you, warm cat. Let's, let's move on to the next track on Simpsons Sing the Blues. How many tracks are there? There are 10 tracks. We'll breeze. We don't have to listen to all no, of them. No, no, we do. Okay. We made a pledge. <laughs> Uh, born under a bad sign. Now that sounds like a blue song. Under a bad sun. Bad sign. Bad sign. Born like a stop a... sign. Mm, we'll see. Born under a bad sign. Been down since I began to crawl. If it wasn't for bad luck, you know I wouldn't have no luck at all. Hard luck and trouble Been my only friend I've been on my own Ever since I was dead That's enough of that. I had had to ask you to stop. It was too much. (laughs) It breaks my heart. Yeah. It's not fair to do that to him. He's such a revered voice actor. Why would you make him do that? Well, it was early on, as as I mentioned. It was early on. and three seasons in, right? No, they were only... It was between... um, It was around the season two Mm. premiere. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, Premiere. Premiere. Um, and you know, uh, it's like when David Geffen comes to your house with a dump truck full of money, 
you, you do what Geffen says. That's not what I did when he showed up at my house. <laughs> what, what did you do? <laughs> tell me more. We ate some sandwiches. Oh, that's nice. It was he nice. Just wanted to talk. It was a different uh, <laughs> man of the same name. <laughs> oh, but the dump was, truck was real. The dump truck. The was money was real. fake. Oh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of twists and turns to this story. The sandwiches were great. Oh, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is early on. So, I mean, listen, we're making cracks about this. But, geez, if I or you or we or anyone had a TV show on a major network yeah. and they were like, you got to do this, you do it. And you don't ask questions and you do, and again, rush job. We just talked about Ron Springfield and and you brought up about like how difficult it is to sing in the voice of your character. Yeah. Like it's hard enough to sing and it's hard enough to do a voice to, Mm -hmm. to then like sing and then sing the blues and then sing that song in particular. Like what a fucking challenge. I will say too, and I don't know if this is because I'm looking back at this from the perspective of 2019 and whatever, but this just feels like, like just the way that that song started with the horns, it just feels like a background band at some like TGI Fridays Absolutely. type of place or whatever, like some weird Sunday brunch kind of thing. And you're like, oh, gosh. It's like you're technically good, but boy, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. It sounds yeah. like one of the bands that they get to play at uh, the downtown Disney as you're oh, walking out. Absolutely. Who I love. love. Who I love as well. <laughs> and all the minstrels at City Walk. We Absolutely. haven't forgotten about Absolutely. you, City Walk. Uh, uh, every single time that Alec and I uh, walk by a performer uh, at City Walk, I completely, as if it's the first time I'm saying it, I only know about this because he calls me out on it. I say about them, they're really good. <laughs> and Alec is just like, I could have guessed that you would say that. And every time I was like, I should follow them on Instagram because they usually have a little sign that says, yeah. like, give me money. They me are Instagram. really good. I'm always so happy and impressed. Yeah, I think they're great. It, it, I'm impressed. And then it makes me a little sad. I get a little sad. That they're not, you know, huge stars because they certainly have to You know, they'd be a bigger star if we all follow them on Instagram. Mm, yeah, that's how it goes. I never remember. I'm always yeah. on my way to go to the Bubba Cumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you reminded me of something that I do all the time that my partner uh, points out to me um, because we're very similar people that enjoy earnestness. But uh, I will watch a trailer or a commercial often a commercial at home and it's uh you know usually filled with the random comics or improv actors that we both know and i'll just be sitting on my couch going they're doing a great job yes because it's hard it is hard because it's hard to do commercials um but i just love it and i'll also say that about like kevin james trailers oh and also <laughs> he's kevin having james, a great time kevin james sweat the small stuff his first comedy special is phenomenal yeah i don't think it holds up but it's phenomenal you heard it here first mm-hmm. probably not first <laughs> you, you heard definitely it last. here last yes <laughs> um so let's move on to this is actually one of the standouts that actually is not like it, it was in uh the moaning lisa episode so mm. it's like the one true tie to uh the actual show wow so this is moaning lisa blues all right
was Mona and Lisa Blues. She crushed it. She really did. That was incredible. Yeah, I also read that the, uh, understandably, the voice actors didn't have a ton of time to spend on, like, re-recording and making it, you know, super polished and whatever. They were very tight in recording uh, actual voiceover for the show, so they didn't have, I think, more than two or three times in the studio to do this if I read correctly. Um, again, as we said, it's very hard to sing in your character's voice, but I've always felt like uh, Yardley does a really great job. And so does Dan. She crushed it. She crushed it. I can't believe how good she was. I know. I'm also learning. Uh, this is a journey for me uh, in learning about the blues and whatever uh, watered down version this is. Long intros. Long intros for the mm, blues. They got to really set the tone. I um, I was just quickly looking, and maybe this is breaking the rules, but I am looking at the Wikipedia page because I was curious who the producers uh, were. Um, D- DJ Jazzy Jeff? Yep. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Oh, my God. I wanted to know who the uh, who the musicians were as well, and I'm still trying to figure out like who's actually playing. Uh, but some of the musicians, including, you know, obviously Michael Jackson, B.B. King. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, yeah. So um, for Do the Bartman, it was written by Brian Lauren. Wow. Um, there was a lot of... And we mentioned, we know now that it was Michael Jackson. Uh, he had a... You know, it was his involvement uh, for that song. Um, But there's around the time when this was coming out, they had to be very cagey and secretive about his involvement with it um, as per the Jackson camps instructions. So um, there's a lot of stories about like Graining and James L. Brooks, like, you know, saying something and then having to like come back and say a statement like, no, I didn't mean, which is so annoying when you're already trying to, you know, make a TV show that you have to like, you know, constantly um, try and cover your ass with that. Yeah. Um, School Day, the next track that we listened to, was originally written and performed by Chuck Berry. Again, that's a cover. Um, and Bart Simpson and Buster <laughs> Poindexter are credited. Um, Born Under a Bad Sign was originally po- performed by Albert King. And it was written by Booker T. Jones and William Bell. Um, it, Homer Simpson is credited to sing it. <laughs> and it also features B.B. King on guitar and the horn section from Tower of Power, which Tower is of Power. one of my mom's favorite bands. Is that true? It is true. Oh, wow. Yeah. she. My mom likes to get funky. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Mona and Lisa Blues was written by John Boylan, Al Jean, Mike Reese, um, Jay Winding. And uh, it's so funny that they credit the character singing, but it's of Lisa course. Simpson, Homer Simpson, <laughs> who says, Lisa, keep it down. And it features Joe Walsh That's insane. on slide guitar, John Sebastian on harmonica. I thought that was him. And the horn section from Tower of Power again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then on to the next, uh, the DJ Jazzy Jeff track uh, that, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, but now we're into deep, deep trouble. So let's listen to a little bit of that. Started to grow. Alarm was buzzing. I was snoozing. Supposed to get up now, 
but I was refusing to let reality become an intrusion. Cause in dreamy dreamland, I was cruising, but the buzz kept buzzing. My head kept buzzing, gave the radio a throw and heard an explosion. Opened up my eyes to my surprise. There stood Homer in his temperature rise. I was chilling, he was yelling. Face all distorted cause he was prepared. Okay, so that was deep, deep trouble. Oh my god. Um, it has that very DJ Jazzy Jeff early so this 90s is a story rap. all yeah. about how um ribbity rap rapper river rap rap like, my name is Allie, and i'm here to <laughs> I say, know, I was say. <laughs> yeah it makes me think of um yeah rapper's delight um i feel like the best uh version of making fun of that kind of rapping was done in the wedding singer yes as we all recall um but yeah it just is very like early hip-hop this is early hip-hop rappy rapper rap rap telling a story gonna say some words (laughs) yeah yeah and so yeah it's it's what you would expect bart to be doing uh in his rapping style wow yeah it's it's gnarly um i don't need we don't need to so the next one is when we get a little bit bart with an art (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just like again like i i when i listen to this it's hard not to picture like what the listening experience was for people that um are when it first came out of like you know driving to carpool and (laughs) listening to this with kids in the back because it was you know obviously made for the kid viewers and i don't know it just yeah, it's it's just so bizarre. Can you imagine being a parent and like my my freaking ears? He says the word "damn." <laughs> um, yeah, so so that was deep, deep trouble. Wow. And so now we go into more bluesy, and we won't go to all the tracks. I will I, say you, we can just we can. Okay, um, but this is "God Bless the Child." It was originally mm. performed, of course, by Billie, Billie Holiday. Holiday. It was written by Billie Holiday and Arthur Herzog Jr. And um, this one connects to the show with a little bit more DNA. It's Lisa Simpson featuring Bleeding Gums Murphy. So we've got two. Yeah. Can you hear me in the booth? Loud and clear, Lisa. Oh, good. Thank you, sir, for letting me be in a real studio. It's a genuine thrill, sir. Could I trouble you with one request? Sure thing. No synthetic sound, please. I want all live musicians. bet many people killed themselves while doing heroin while listening to this in the back while other people were having sex that was such a dark 
That's the plot of Cadillac Records, starring <laughs> Beyonce Knowles. Wow. Okay, so one thing I will say about that song is there is that uh, intro of Lisa asking kind of for a favor of uh, Bleeding Gums, and it's so good and sweet, and I love early uh, Yardley Smith voice. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more uh, fragile. and yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's a little vulnerable and mm-hmm. fragile. She's like a cute little kid and i know oh, i love it so much um mm-hmm. there's some asmr tingles i got from that you yeah get to hear the sound eyes well, eyes well. um <laughs> I, I love it i feel like this is the closest that we get on this album to any kind of like a scene of a comedic kind of scene of like only you know live instruments only this yeah. only that uh, whereas everything else has been very straightforward and almost serious. Yeah. Well, and it makes you think that if this hadn't been rushed, would uh, the writers and uh, all involved uh, had made it more of like a comedy album? You know? Right. Well, that actually is a perfect transition into <laughs> what the New York Times oh. said about it. Um, the New York Times placed the album on their list of worst albums of the year in 1990. I wonder Stating what else that, was on that. I know. I gotta know. Stating that the television series was at least mildly subversive, not to mention funny. The album mangles old songs and takes no chances with bland new ones. That's pretty harsh. Um, People described it as a slick, super commercial novelty act, ouch, Mm. and that it seemed the producer's main goal was money rather than comedy or drama. Mm. Um, (laughs) This is a really funny uh, publication. Florida Flambeau. <laughs> Florida Flambeau. Is that a dessert? I I think in some, yeah, at, at TJ Fridays. <laughs> Expressed relief that the album wasn't a Christmas record, though felt that it was mostly pointless without being paired with the funny visuals of the show. What a weird comment. And wished more songs had been written specifically for the characters. We both agree, I would say. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, Thrust Magazine expressed Thrust? disdain. Thrust. Oh. Listen, they got everybody on board to <laughs> <laughs> to review the Simpsons oh, sing no. the blues. <laughs> Thrust magazine uh, expressed disdain that such a popular album was created by fictional recording art- artists, noting most people have to die before they sell so many records. <laughs> but the Simpsons will never die. They don't exist. Now, Whoa. wow. First I know. of all, they, they were right about they will never die. Yeah, I know. 30 yeah. years later. 30 years later, here we are. 30 plus um you know it's gonna be like the world will be uh a, a, you know afraid charred core and then the simpsons will continue to create new episodes which i'm happy to i never of want them course. to go away but yeah <laughs> it, it, reading that quote now in 2019 from 1990 the simpsons won't die they never existed That's i know insane. it's like very cryptic what the hell are they just trying to say that cartoons aren't real i don't know probably i think so yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's it's very thrust, bizarre. Thrust said that. Thrust. Fuck you, thrust. I believe that they've already been fucked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps while listening the name, to the last song. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Uh, let's think about Thrust Magazine and where they are now on this quick break. Hi, I'm the JV Club Podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal! 
Warning, we got this may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. We got this with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. And we're back. Hey. Uh, what year do you think Thrust Magazine stopped publishing? <laughs> this, their quote was in 1990. I'm going to be a real bitch and say 1991. You are right. No! <laughs> oh my God! That's amazing. I mean, that's a joke. It is so that's funny. hilarious. <laughs> wow. Um, it's It feels like a Hulk Hogan versus Gawker. Do you think The Simpsons <laughs> shut down Thrust Magazine? Well, the circulation rose to 1,700 people. Uh, and sadly it ended a year after this. So I would say, what was their angle? What did they do? Okay. So, uh, by the way, they did exist for a long time. They were published since 1973 and it started off as a fanzine by Doug Fratz and Stephen L. Goldstein Mm, and Doug um, and Stevie. Yeah. And Thrust, uh, was a magazine for science fiction fans, which is why, of course, they were covering Simpsons Sing the Blues. Of course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They were nominated for a Hugo Award uh, for Best Fanzine in 1980. Hmm. Hugo Award. Is that the movie Hugo? (laughs) Yep. So Mm -hmm. stupid. Um, and, you know, that's about all there is. But let's pour one out for Thrust Magazine. We miss you, I Thrust. Wonder, is it possible that there's a different Thrust mag? I just don't I know, know why they would have. I miss that kind of print media. I mean, I love the internet and all whatever. I mean, podcasts wouldn't exist without it. But I miss, like, zines and, oh, yeah. well, you know, magazines being what they were. And as someone who just left working at a print magazine, I can <laughs> right, say... Right. I too love them uh, and will be sad to see them all go. Yeah. Um, but hopefully they don't. Hopefully there's a no. rise. Listeners, go subscribe to Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have a couple more issues with my name on them. Hey. Um, and also, let us know if there's a different Thrust Magazine that we are just not finding. Because I'm looking through the Googles and, uh, gosh, uh, it's hard to guess who would ever review this album. So that brings us to, all right, so we don't need to listen. Actually, Okay, actually, let's listen to the next one. So this was an originally a Randy Newman song, so mm. let's just listen to it for a second. Uh, <clears throat> I was born to make you happy. I think you're just my style. Everywhere I go, telling everyone I know, baby, I love to see you smile. Don't want to take a trip to China. Don't want to sail up the Nile. Wouldn't want to get too far from where you are, because I love to see you smile. In the summer, in the springtime, winter or fall, the only place I want to be. So yeah, that was, I love to see you smile, pretty straightforward cover. I love it. Yeah. I sincerely love it. I think it's great. I am such a huge Randy Newman fan, Mm -hmm. and you could tell it's Randy from those keys. Mm -hmm. Um... And I 
love that Homer loves March. <laughs> <laughs> and that he loves L.A. That was yes. the next one that he was going to do. But yeah, I mean, I guess this is how you solve the let's quickly come out with an album uh, conundrum. You do a bunch of covers. But that one it was actually kind of sincere and good. Um, I want to play one more and then we can kind of wrap up the episode talking about the legacy of this album and, and what it uh, inspired other um, TV shows and films to do in similar projects. But uh, this is a song called Look at All Those Idiots. And it was written by um, Simpsons' own Jeff Martin, who oh, we've had on the show, Jeff. who is like their songsmith person. Sam Simon and Jay Winding were oh, wow. um, all uh, the songwriters on it. And the singers are Montgomery Burns and Smithers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so here we go. Smithers, turn on the surveillance monitors. Yes, sir. It's worse than I thought. Each morning at nine, they tickle through the gate. They go home early. They come in late. Reeking of cheap liquor, they stumble through the day. Never give a thought to honest work for honest pay. I know it shouldn't vex me. I shouldn't take it hard. I should ignore their capering with a kingly disregard. But look at all those idiots. I love it. I think it's the best ever. Uh, it reminds me of like, oddly, it reminds me of Pink Floyd. Like, yeah. I fucking love. You know what it, re- it reminds me him. of? It reminds me of um, like a real B grade musical that you see. Yeah, and because a good good musical, as we all know, is a musical where every song takes the character on a journey. And they end somewhere. It advances the plot. They mm-hmm. end somewhere that they you know started differently, and everything's working together. But then you see a B-grade musical, mm-hmm. and it's more like jukeboxy, and the songs are just sung because they are songs to be sung. Well, let me tell you, I think this is, I think this song is better than the stupid fucking rap in Into the Woods, which is my least favorite song of all time. I can't even remember <laughs> that rap. Can we and play I it? saw Into the Woods. Yes, just we put can. Into the Woods rap. Um, I don't know if you want to do the Meryl Streep version, or if you want to do... I will 100% do I, f- I, f- I don't remember Street what it's version. about, but I feel like it's like, rutabagas, rutabagas. <laughs> and she told your father that what she wanted more than anything in the world was greens, greens, nothing but greens, parsley, peppers, cabbages, and celery, asparagus, and watercress, and fiddle ferns, and lettuce. He said, all right, but it wasn't quite, because I caught him in the autumn in my garden one night. was robbing me, raping me, rooting through my rutabaga, raiding my arugula, and ripping up the rampion, my champion, my favorite. I should have laid a spell on him right there. So that's the rap. It's not as obvious as the rappy part of Mary Poppins with Lin-Manuel Miranda. God damn it, I hated that so much. <laughs> um, Everybody was so excited to be in that movie, I just want to say. Rap is bad unless people that are rappers do it. Hamilton is good rap. They are rappers. Yes, it's true. That <laughs> um, airtight also, logic. I have not seen Hamilton, but I believe you. Yeah. I remember that you were a skeptic going in and you came out a Hamilton fan. I was. I believe my quote was, the morning of uh, Mike and I going to go see Hamilton, you know, we were clowning and being like, oh, what's it going to be? Like, ribbity rap rap. My name is Hamilton. You know, yes. just being dumbasses. And then we go seeing it. And like within the first five minutes, I turn to him and I go, 
okay, this is one of the greatest <laughs> things I've seen in my entire <laughs> life. And the ending made me cry. And that's the story of Hamilton. I love it. That's the story. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. pretty short. Yeah, it's pretty short. <laughs> yeah, it's good. the rest is just dancing. Mm. Um, so it's more of a dance show. I That's love cat. Kitty Cat. Well, thank you for showing me this album. Mm-hmm. Yes. So on to the last chapter. So there are other songs. You guys can go on Spotify. It's all on there and listen to it. Um, funny enough, I believe this is the only Simpsons album on Spotify or I could be wrong. Um, oh, no, actually, Testify is also uh, on there, um, as is the Yellow album, but not a ton. Definitely not the ones that are my favorite Go Simpsonic songs in the key of Springfield, um, but you can get some of your other Simpsons fix through there, listen to the rest of the album, Simpsons Sing the Blues. The legacy of Simpsons Sing the Blues um, is that it is, uh, according to Wikipedia, regarded as a novelty from mm. the Simpsons early era, and then they later, of course, make fun of it. Um, there is a really great Treehouse of Horror joke where, you know, they're um, getting the monkey paw and then you know they pass by like a stand that's all you know simpsons merch and yes. so they're making fun of themselves with that of course they were very self-aware um but that this also inspired other places like mattel in 1991 announced that they plan to record a barbie rock album titled the look <laughs> at the same time mca records was finishing work on an album based on the mario brothers characters um and uh and also i want to say that this album was hugely successful which is i think a part of the resentment from some of the rock critics where they were saying that you know like it's just totally not fair that they got a free pass which i feel like some people are saying uh even in today's society regarding like people that get instant netflix movies that aren't very good yes um that you know people struggle there's always going to be the starving artists that are wanting to get theirs um but that i want to say also but probably the most enduring part of the Simpsons Sing the Blues legacy is that I want to say they inspired the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to create their own music. And of course, I'm referring to the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. Yes, of course. Are you familiar course. with that? <laughs> it's great. I mean, that's a whole other episode um, that you could uh, listen to. It's another uh, one that podcasts the red covered. Um, but uh, I feel like that is truly the best accomplishment that Samson Sing the Blues has done. And uh, yeah, some of the other ones, um, you know, The Little Mermaid came out with, you know, like their own album that was like Caribbean songs. Um, and then uh, there was an album of songs sung by the cast of Dinosaurs, which uh, was a series that The Simpsons got compared to a lot um, during its heyday uh, or during this era, um, simply because they were both massive hits and they were, I guess, wow. Dinosaurs is not... It's, I mean, it's live action, but it's, it's puppet. So, um, again, the blues choice was after much consideration of other, uh, genres and, um, and boy, is it a genre for them to cover, (laughs) but it was a different era. Um, the next Simpsons album would be songs of the key of Springfield in 1997. So, um, you know, after this came out, they, they took a lap Mm. and, uh, really, uh, stared, uh, dark night of the soul style into themselves and uh wanted to you know do something else and and you know song of the key of springfield it didn't it wasn't uh, a separate creation so that was a little easier i imagine to just sort of copy and paste songs from the show it's you know and granted i don't watch a lot of um cartoons now that 
maybe are geared more towards kids. So maybe there, uh, there are some, some examples I'm missing, but I feel like there aren't too many cartoons, at least for, uh, adults that include music in the way that the Simpsons did. Mm -hmm. And, um, certainly I can't think of any, uh, current contemporary show that would do a soundtrack that had nothing to do with their show. Um, and that's too bad. And I think that has to do, and you know, obviously Mark Mothersbaugh did, uh, you, you know, Yo Gabba Gabba, a lot of different shows has, have had incredible like yeah. music the aquabats have done and you know um uh but it was incorporated into the show yes and yeah. so i i would love to see that as a comeback of mm-hmm. uh you know and, and you know i'm not talking about like crazy ex-girlfriends but like it'd be amazing to see a show uh that has no musical components come out with yeah. this cast sings the blank that actually would be i mean it would be considered a bit i think in today's age but let it be a bit like the like, cast of the good doctor <laughs> comes out and sings calypso yes that'd be amazing yeah, that would be amazing listeners let us know uh what is the tv show that you would most mm. be excited to see that they did a album like this yeah and of course as you mentioned gotta you know say crazy ex-girlfriend if you're looking for a show that is musical um that has uh you know enough as much if not more definitely more because they had um songs per episode but uh bangers like the simpsons mm-hmm. songs that we know and love um go and check out crazy ex-girlfriend and um and yeah and it also makes me think of other tv shows like buffy the vampire slayer with their musical episode that has become a cult classic once more with feeling and um i feel like scrubs kind of had a musical episode yeah they did and uh dr horrible sing-along blog yes of course of course i haven't thought about that in a long time yeah yeah we need more of that go make it fun because it's just fun just do it yeah and i think i mean there is something about like listening to um you know the the musical version of your favorite thing while you're in the car that's you know very pleasing so there's that any more thoughts to say on Simpsons Sing the Blues? Was your mind properly blown it with was. this journey? I, I didn't know what to expect. As someone who writes music about cartoons, I know how hard it is to capture the vibe and feeling, and sometimes you don't. And that's fine, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it's hard. I would say, to be rude to everyone involved that I'm I like my Millhouse song more than I like some of the songs on this album <laughs> but I don't like it more than all of them on this mm-hmm, album and mm-hmm. um that's not a testament to my songs this is a testament to how great these songs are I don't think we're being rude I think we're keeping it real keeping it real um it's hard to write songs too it's hard to write songs I'm not a songwriter but I have for some god awful reason written songs into episodes of television more than once i get i get occasional bmi um residuals now that's not a tmi about my body (laughs) it sounds like it um but yeah it's i my hat's off to anybody that can rhyme couplets Mm -hmm. speaking of writing simpson songs uh there is a whole chapter of our book 100 things simpsons fans should know and do before they die you did it yay (laughs) (laughs) and uh it is all about writing songs about the simpsons where we talk about uh the ned flanders band uh um and uh different guests of the podcast who have written songs and um it's all so fun i i love this world even when it's cheesy um but julia thank you for showing this to me i can't believe that i've been alive as long as i have and that this album has been out as long as it has and that we have had a simpsons podcast as long as we have and i have never heard it until tonight what an honor what an honor to show you i want to say one thing about oakley dokley before we uh wrap up 
I am not sure if you saw, but this is a very, very cool thing for uh, those fine boys, uh, the head Neds and all the other Neds in that band. But in a recent Simpsons episode, over the end credits, they played um, a clip from their music video, White Wine Spritzer. That's amazing. So that that was, what a great honor that that they're now part of of Simpsons history in that way. Um, So go check that out. I believe that was uh, an episode from season 30, if you're listening to this in the distant future from when it originally came out. Um, Go back and check it out. And Julia, where can people oh, find you online? Thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gertz on all the things. And you can find us at Simpsons Pod. Yes, um, where we will post uh, mostly on Twitter about all the things that we post about and engage with you. You can find us on Instagram. We don't really, Not really. post stuff <laughs> on Instagram. Um, so, so, yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. Everything's Coming Up Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. This episode was edited by Jesus Ambrosio. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Swish. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.